Do you ever wonder why we worship the way we do? Why churches are run the way they are? And why on earth do we still trust the Bible as the word of God? Join us as we study church history, as we study the Bible, and as we study just a little bit of everything in between. Welcome to Back in the Day with Pastor Clay. Hey, how are you doing today? Welcome to Back in the Day with Pastor Clay. We're so glad that you're joining with us today. This week's topic is something I think that will appeal to all of us, but what happens in your life when you have a change of heart? Just something radically changes in your life. If you don't know, my occupation that I was, or my goal in life was to become a high school English teacher. And so I studied in college. I went through everything and I got to the very end. I had prospects lined up. I had things ready to go. And all of a sudden God began to change my heart. He told me that I was going to pastor and I told God, no. Well, what happens is when you tell God, no, God has a way of making it into a yes. And so God began to change my heart, change my passion. I no longer had a desire to want to teach. I no longer had that desire. Well, today we're going to talk about a man who had his life changed from a perspective and a pursuit of money to a pursuit of having God move and change everything. Born in 1815, We're going to look at a man by the name of William Chalmers Burns, or maybe you've read some of his works as W.C. Burns. Burns was the son of a very well-respected Scottish minister, W.H. Burns, William Henry Burns, and he wanted nothing to do with his father's line of work. He had no desire to go into the ministry to follow in his father's footsteps at any way. In fact, in 1831, he had already achieved success at the University of Aberdeen, and Burns decided that he was going to study law. And this came as a great disappointment to his father, who, as a minister of the Church of Scotland, he desired for his son to also enter into the ministry and to serve. But Whether his father had admitted it or not, or whether Burns, I should say, had admitted it or not, his father's faith had begun to kind of wear off on him. You see, Burns had a desire for money. He looked at lawyers and he said that they were rich with fine houses, and that's what he wanted to be. He said, my goal in life is to be wealthy and to live in a house of envy. And so he wanted people to look at his house, to be envious of his house, and to have lots of money. Now, Listen, I know many people that this is their goal. That's their entire purpose and and reason for living is they want to live and they want to have a house that everyone envies. They want to have plenty of money. Now, don't hear me say that money is a bad thing, but the love of money leads to the root of all evil, as the Bible tells us. And what happens is we begin to make money our God. We begin to change things in our lives so that we can fully uh, appreciate the pursuit of money. And 
he began to, at this point in 1831, reevaluate what his life was and what his life really meant. One night, he was, he was in his house and he heard his father praying. And he heard these words from his father. He said, Lord, I have no doubt in my mind that he is destined for hell. I know the condition of his heart. And that conversation, that prayer rocked Burns because he realized at that time just how far away from God that he really was. And he later recalled that he was reading uh, Pike's early piety and he, in the middle of December of 1831, had this realization, this revelation that happened. And in fact, on January 7th, 1832, he experienced the wonderful salvation of God. He was sitting and he was he was reading and he understood his salvation or his sin and he desired this salvation. It was like he uses that arrow analogy again. He said it was as if an arrow had pierced the burden that he had and it suddenly dissipated. He said the first, the spirit of God shone with full light upon the glory of Jesus as a savior. And for such, I was in need. And so Burns' faith came with a loss of interest of studying the law. And instead, he began to draw this strong desire to, to preach to those, especially to those who had not heard the gospel. Now, I identify with Burns quite a bit. If you've heard my testimony, you know that it really, it wasn't until I was 18 years old that the first person had told me that God loved me. And my philosophy of ministry extends from that. My goal in life as a pastor, as a, as a minister of the gospel, is so that no one who comes in contact with me will ever have any doubt of the love of God. So that there are those that are in pain, don't, don't have to worry or, or wonder if God loves them. They will know for a fact. And Burns is the same way. When you read some of Burns's writings, he is burdened by this fact that he wrestled and he struggled for so long with this sin, with this desire for money that God completely and utterly just took away from him in an instant. And so he, uh, after studying in Glasgow in seminary, uh, he was accepted to the, the Church of Scotland as a missionary to India. Uh, but suddenly things begin to change in Burns' life, and God had another plan. You see, Burns became uh, a center point, a centerpiece in what was known as the Scottish Revival in 1839. And he spent years preaching to crowds in Scotland and in England and in Ireland and in Canada. And, and, and in 1847, at the age of 32, Burns was called to China as the first missionary of the Presbyterian Church of England to China. And, you know, we've talked about how these people come from what we known as different denominations and all of this. Uh, but, you know, what really challenges me is how God changes their heart. You see, Burns built up uh, a native congregation of missionaries in China, and he would leave these missionaries. And he would travel around building church after church after church. And he was so dedicated to this work that he only returned uh, for furlough one month before he died. In December 1867, he returned from China on furlough. And during this time, he wrote this letter to his mother 
uh, on January 15th, 1868, right before he died. He said, at the end of the last year, I got a severe chill, which has not left yet left the system, producing chillness and fever every night. And for the last two nights, this has been followed by perspiration, which rapidly diminished the strength. Unless it should please God to rebuke this disease, it is evident at what end must soon be. And I write these lines beforehand to say I am happy and ready through the abounding grace of God to either live or die. May the God of all consolation and comfort uh, comfort you when the tidings of my deceased shall reach you. And through the redeeming blood of Jesus, we may meet with joy before the throne above. What confidence this man has in what God is doing in his life and what God is ultimately orchestrated through everything. What I love about this story is he's writing to his mother and his mother is is waiting and, and knows what, what is inevitably probably coming by this letter. But Burns had a change of heart. Burns was all about money. He had this great desire for money. And things began to change for him. We can relate this to our own lives. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 6, Jesus is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. He gives us this advice that I think should really be taken to heart. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and neither thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is a wonderful passage of scripture and such a great illustration of exactly what happened to Burns. Or maybe you've experienced this in your lives. This, this word, this, this layup in, in the Greek is theras viso. It really is an interesting word because it means to save up or to store, to lay up. And when we talk about this passage, it comes to a realization of where exactly we find our, our power, our motivation, our hope, our faith. Because let's face it, we all have bills. We all look at bills probably with the same mindset. We look at it as we have an income, we have money that comes in, we have bills, which is a money that goes out. Some of you may have more going out than coming in. Some of you may have more coming in than going out. We are all in different parts and different walks of life. But what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount, and and he's talking about all of this, and, and it's no... It's no stranger that in verse 25, he begins talking about anxiety. There was a study done uh, several years ago about the number one reason that there are marital problems or relationship problems boils down to finances. In fact, the number one cause of divorce, okay, the number one cause of divorce was finances because people argue over finances. I'm sure you and your spouse argue over finances. I know me and my wife argue over finances, but ultimately 
our faith at the end of the day is found not in uh, the job or the finances, but in the Lord that provides. He says, if, if, do not worry, because if God can clothe the, or feed the birds and clothe the people, do you not think he'll take care of you? Paul wrote in one of his letters about a young man uh, named Demas, and he said, he had forsaken me uh, for having loved this present world. You see, we have a problem uh, that we live in a fallen world. You see, when we look at things from the perspective and and from this idea that that God uh, cannot intervene in today's society, that's a really sad thought because the God, the omniscient, omnipotent God is in control of all things. But to say that we value or we trust in our finances more than we trust in God is a difficult thing. And so we have what we call the American dream in America. And what this is, is we are to be in the pursuit of money. Money is the root of all happiness. But the problem is, is when you get more money, you have more expenses. Or maybe you have more money, you have more problems. Money doesn't solve anything. I've been in positions in my life where we would be what I would consider fairly wealthy. And what I mean by that is we haven't had to wonder where was our next meal coming from? We were able to provide everything that we needed. And we've also been in positions in our life where we're like, okay, God, I have no idea how you're going to make this work, but I trust that you are. And God is faithful to do just that. I remember times in my ministry where, you know, we would just receive random checks in the mail that that we weren't expecting that would literally pay that month's expenses because God knew more than we did. And that is a huge understanding when it comes to the Bible. What I love about this is that we are told constantly to to not lay up our treasures on this earth. You know, we're being warned and remember that when the Bible speaks of money, it speaks of it does it does not teach anywhere that money itself is evil. Now, I know there are some people that would say, well, those that have money are evil. Well, not really. There are those that have money that you would never know. But the Bible teaches us that the root of all evil is money. It is not the money or the possessions that are at fault, but it is the men who use them. God created man and women. and He created a vast world of pleasant and wonderful things to, for us to say that any of those things are evil or to say that what God created was evil. But you see what happens is what money does to people is it changes their mindset from being an outward outgoing evangelistic mindset or relying on faith mindset to a more self-centric mindset that would say, I've got this. I don't need God. I don't need anything in my life because I have everything that I could need uh, already taken care of for me. He says, do not lay up your treasures on this earth because we have these treasures in our, in heaven's. And you know, when the disciples, when Jesus is saying, because you have done these things, you have fed me, you've clothed me. The disciples are like, Lord, when have we done any of these things? He says, when you have done for the least of these, you have also done for me. 
do not store up your treasures on this earth because let's face it, whatever you put your faith, your, your, your trust in earthly will fade. You know, we thought that the stock market was inevitable, but when the stock market crashed in the early 1900s, it changed everyone's world. We thought the housing market was unbreakable, but when it crashed in the late 2000s, it changed everything. You see, there is a great illustration that can be brought here of where we truly and honestly find our motivation in a life. Burns loved money. He had a desire to make as much of it as possible so that people would be envious of him. And maybe that's you today. But there is a much greater treasure that this world offers. And that is Jesus Christ. You see, when we store up ourselves and we rely on our own abilities, we do not get beyond death. Pharaohs are buried with everything they are they own because they believe that they will take it with them to the afterlife. And I, I really wished that I could experience one day a Pharaoh getting onto the other side of eternity and realizing that everything he worked for in life, every trinket, every coin, every idol, everything was absolutely worthless. No matter how much money you make, no matter how many investments you have, no matter how many houses or cars or boats or whatever you have put all of this in, all of that will pass away when you die. But there is a treasure that has defeated death and that is Christ Jesus. And he has offered it to you today that all who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And let me tell you, as somebody who does have stocks, who does have things, I don't put my faith in them, but I do have them. I will say that that is a better investment than anything you can make on this earth is making the Lord Jesus your savior today. Hope you have a fantastic week and we will see you all next week.